Welcome to IVF Tales, a podcast hoping to make the world of fertility treatment less lonely. We want to start conversations about different fertility journeys to empower your decisions and build a community that understands. Each week we will speak to someone whose journey to having a child has taken a little bit more than a few vodka cruises. We are your hosts, Tiffany and Amy. In today's episode, we're speaking to Bianca. So she's telling us about her four IVF treatments. Um, She also talks about her loss and her successful pregnancy. Um, Her and her partner live in regional Queensland. So we also discuss the challenges that that brings to fertility treatment and having to travel to the clinic. Yep. I think it was particularly hard with her because she had to sort of for egg the 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 transfer like she had to sort of be in the car on the way before that even find out if their egg was viable yeah yeah. like if it was fine so they found that really hard um she also talks about how opening up on social media has helped her cope um and offered her more support Mm -hmm. um from people yeah, I think she found that quite liberating opening it up because mm-hmm. she said she had a lot of contact then from people that she hadn't spoken to for a long time. Yep. So supporting her through it, which was lovely for her. Um, and then we do go on to discuss her pregnancy in a little bit of detail and how she's felt during her pregnancy and postpartum period. Um, so um, if you find that interesting, that's more towards the end of the episode. But as you can tell, we're finally recording in person <laughs> again. <laughs> After what it's got to be like nearly three months yeah, of not probably, being together. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. Months. It's nuts. So it's a bit weird for us to sort of be together. Making eye contact with someone <laughs> when we're interviewing. I can't mute and burp. I know. Yeah, you're going to be so quiet. So, um, no, it's good though. So, um, yeah, we hope you enjoy listening to, to Bianca's episode today. Um, you will be hearing from her again in our pregnancy and postpartum bonus episode as well. So that'll be really neat to sort of get a bit more detail and a bit of an mm-hmm. update on how she's going during her motherhood journey. Cool. Thanks, guys. Uh, so, Bianca, did you just want to give us some information on who you are, who's in your family and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, so... Obviously, my name's Bianca. I'm 35. Uh, my husband, Rody is 41. We've been together almost 10 years. Uh, I have a stepson, Isaac, who's almost 16, and my beautiful miracle daughter, River, who's just turned seven months. Um, we live uh, in central Queensland in a sort of smallish town. Um, both my husband and I have pretty demanding jobs. I'm a project manager slash estimator for a construction company. He's a um, supervisor boilermaker, so we run a pretty pretty hectic life. Um, yeah. I just have to much who we are. I have to say that I really love um, River's name. I think it's oh, so beautiful. You. Yeah. Yeah, we we had that name picked out for like seven years or something, so um, pretty special to us. Yeah. Cool. Oh, sorry, I should not forget my fur babies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Shirley and Amani, they've been a huge part of all of this too, so I cannot leave them out. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Are they dogs or cats? Oh, yeah, they're dogs. They're yeah. cavoodles. Beautiful. I think we've, um, I'm noti- we're noticing a consistency yeah. with people in fertility treatment and 
including their pets and their families. It's really awesome. I love it. Yeah, they're they're, they're special. One one for each failed IVF and my husband owes me some, so. (laughs) (laughs) Claim them in horses or something, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. So did you want to give us a little bit of... um, information on your fertility treatment so when did you and Rodie start trying for a baby and when did you realize something might be wrong yeah absolutely um so it's been a pretty long journey for us back in um 2010 uh, I went off the pill uh we'd only been together six months but we we talked about children that whole time um we just sort of as you do oh we'll see what happens you know we'll won't try and you know quite a long period of time went by and um we nothing obviously nothing happened uh we planned our wedding we got married in 2013 um and I started tracking my cycles and getting pretty serious about it then um still no luck um my cycles were around 40 days I thought I was ovulating but you know it was pretty hit and miss um we decided to go and see a doctor shortly after we got married which is 2013 and they referred us to a specialist in uh Rockhampton which is probably about an hour and a half away from where we live we don't really have uh too many doctors or specialists in our town um that doctor put me straight on Clomid um he gave me a year's subscription to it pretty much prescription sorry and um he monitored me for the first two months and said yes you are ovulating on this this should work within the 12 months and um let us go on our way um it was it was pretty much that was it we really didn't get much information we didn't really get anything and um we thought within the year would be pregnant uh unfortunately that didn't work either so um off we went back um, to see this doctor and said, you know, look, nothing's happening. He ordered some more tests, um, just very routine tests, and he was actually tied up with the IVF clinic in Rockhampton, so he suggested that we we start IVF. So um, that was a pretty big jump for us. and. At that stage, we decided that we didn't want to tell anyone. Um, there was a bit of a downturn in the industry in our um, town and me particularly being in a male-dominated um, job, I was too scared to tell work or tell anybody that we were, one, looking at starting a family and, two, going down the um, IVF path. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 2016... Uh, we signed up for our first round of IVF. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, we sort of went in, I guess, blind. We, as I guess when you start talking to people, a lot of people do, they think, oh, the first time, you'll be right, you only need to do one round and it will work. You sort of hear stories about it doesn't work the first time, don't get your hopes up, but you don't really... I don't know, go into the depths of it. I think you just think it's all going to work. I'm such a planner. So I just think once you do these few steps, you get the result at the end. So my mind was in that space. Okay, I'll do this, 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 then I get a baby. Mm-hmm. So obviously IVF does not work like that. Um, 
So round one, he put me on 150 um, of Puragon and I didn't take to that and he upped it to 300 and um, I was on an antagonist protocol. So then we done the Galutrin and then triggered. Um, we had egg collection on Father's Day. So I thought the signs were out there, you know, this is, um, is going to work. We got um, four eggs and at that stage, I was like, well, to start with, I didn't find out till like 24 hours after egg collection that we got four eggs. They just, oh, I look back now and there's so much I should have asked and questioned and I should have known, but I didn't think anything of it. I was new to this and they told me the next day, yep, you got four eggs. And I'm like, sweet, four, that's awesome. I didn't mm-hmm. know that that was a really, really low number. Yeah. Um, luckily, all four of them fertilised. But um, after three days, uh, three of them dropped off and we were left with one. Mm-hmm. So we got one blastocyst, which we had a fresh transfer at day five, um, and that was a negative. Um, so, so many ups and downs. I guess with that first round, I didn't realise that at any stage that cycle could be cancelled. If you're not responding to the drugs, if you're not, you know, if you, you don't have any eggs to collect if the sperm sample's not good. Like there's so many factors and I did not understand that. So every step of the way we were in shock and it was such a roller coaster and I just wasn't prepared. I was not prepared at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, that was pretty devastating. And then we went into round two in December 2016 and I, I should say that we're doing – because my husband um, had um, low mortality, so they suggested that we did ICSI for uh, both our procedures. So in round two, we started off with um, 300 Puragon, so he started off with a higher dose, and we done the Ogalutran again to stop me from ovulating and then triggered. Um, we, we got seven eggs this time, which, again, was an improvement, and I... You know, I still thought that was pretty good. I didn't realise, you know, a lot of people out there were getting 24 to 30 eggs. So I, I, I didn't know. I didn't have um, the resources, I guess, to know that, that that was sort of more than normal. So you hadn't um, – um, sorry to jump in there, Bianca. Just No, no, you're right. Just to quickly ask, has the doctor – you're still seeing the same fertility specialist at this time? Yeah, sorry, I am still seeing the same fertility specialist. Um, he was really, um, if I can just go on a side note quickly. Go for it. He was going through his own personal issues. His wife had cancer and she was sort of on her uh, last legs. So I really don't feel like he was giving his whole mm-hmm. um, in his job and he was just sort of ticking boxes and going through the process. So we weren't really getting any answers. And with me going in naive and thinking that the doctors know everything and that I should be trusting these people, this is what they're qualified to do, this is what they do day in, day out, I just went with what they were telling me. Do this, do this, okay. And, again, I'm that kind of person. You tick the boxes, you get a result, and I'm trusting these people Mm -hmm. who do this daily. So... Um, yeah, it was the same doctor, and yeah, we just went in with the same protocol, with and done everything exactly the same again. Yeah. Um, and we got the seven eggs, four of them fertilized. Just after day three, they all dropped off, and we ended up with one blastocyst again. 
So that's two egg collections and no frozen embryos. And so have you um, had you transferred any at this stage? Did any make it to transfer? So in my first IVF round one we had one transfer and that was a negative. Yep. This second egg collection. Um yes, we got one blastocyst. We done a um a fresh transfer at day five. Okay. Yep. And um that happened just before Christmas. So I had to wait till after Christmas. It was a little bit longer than the normal two week wait because um of the closure of the clinic and being able to access blood tests in our town and everything. So shortly after Christmas, um, we we did get our positive pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. That's okay. You take your time. Yeah, I didn't yeah, I didn't realise how emotional I was feeling about it. Um so my HCG was seven hundred and twenty eight. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty good numbers. Um we went again a few days later and it was 2,700. So, again, we were tracking pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a third test six days later because it fell over the New Year period. We had to wait that little bit longer and um, our numbers were only 5,400. But the clinic sort of just really gave me <laughs> a lot of hope that everything was still okay. Mm-hmm. and. As you do, which you shouldn't do, I Googled like crazy and you're just constantly looking for stories that are the same as yours. You type in these numbers and you you sort of just disregard all the negative stories that no, it didn't work, didn't work. And then you might come across this one obscure little story where, I don't know, those numbers and they've got a healthy two-year-old child and you're like, oh, my God, yes, there's hope out there. Um, unfortunately. Um, we went in for our eight-week scan and there was no heartbeat, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's tough. I'd done all of this without telling anybody. I hadn't told work what was going on, so I got doctor certificates that just said medical conditions so that I didn't have to deal with having to tell them and go through I don't know, all the processes with them. Um, after I got the, after we had the um, the scan, they said that we probably would need a DNC and that I would need to find a doctor locally to be able to do it, which meant I needed to have more time off. So I was really in a, like time off work, I was really in a spot where I had to, I had to talk to my boss and tell him what was going on and I had to, I guess, deal with my emotions and everything that was going on and, I don't know, I just, it was, it was a really tough time and I dealt with it very differently to how my husband dealt with it mm-hmm. and we've, we've processed it and spoken about it later but at the time I felt like I was taking it on board more and I was getting a little bit resentful, like my husband, he's he's got a child, he's got the blood child, does he not care as much as I do? And, you know, it was really unreasonable for me to think like that, but when you're in that state, your mind goes into a million different places. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, obviously, we had no um, frozen embryos, so uh, we took a break. I was in a really bad spot. I just, 
I found it really hard to get past that um, that miscarriage and um, my husband just saw the downfall in me so we were in a really bad spot as a couple just trying to push through this and you know I, I did tell work what was happening and I just said you know that's it for us at the moment and I was surprised with the support I got it was absolutely amazing and that sort of is what got me to start being more open about our journey because up until then um, just trying to do everything yourself and hide all your emotions it, it, it's just a whole nother element on top of the roller coaster you're already going through um, you know trying to smile when things are just not worth smiling about you just you're in a really bad spot um, so yeah after the second round we pretty much took a year off um, I needed to build myself back up again um, and I needed to get myself to a better spot. I'd probably put on about 15 kilos. I'd broken out in rashes everywhere. I was getting anxiety um, all the time, you know, driving to work. I'd have little panic attacks and I just I was not healthy and I wasn't in a good spot. Um, so I ended up um, starting to see a naturopath, uh, which was probably one of the best things I ever did. Um, and she was amazing. Um, it just got me thinking about my body and getting it to such a healthy state, and which in turn got my mind into a healthy state and just started to prepare me for the next round that we eventually got to. Um, so in that year, my husband and I had a pretty frank discussion and he said to me that 40 is his cutoff. He said he can't do this forever. Um, we can keep going, but after 40, we need to just stop and we need to reassess because we can't live our life waiting, hoping, praying all the time. We'd put so much stuff on hold over the years and we'd skipped out on going to so many things. Uh, you know, I was meant to be bridesmaid, bridesmaid at my sister's wedding. I can that because I thought I was going to be pregnant, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, that you, you you just miss out on in life. So I agreed and I knew that we had to have a stopping point. I just couldn't live like this anymore. And so 40 it was. Um, in saying that, we decided to find a new IVF clinic as well. Um, we're a little bit more, a uh, little bit more knowledge in the IVF journey and we sort of realised that maybe our doctor wasn't the best doctor for us. He didn't have our best interests at heart. Um, he was going through his own issues. So we um, we sort of shopped around a little bit, I guess you can say, and we needed to find something more affordable as well because we're going into a third egg collection. Uh, does it come cheaply? Um, yeah, so we found a clinic which is about two and a half hours away from where we live and they have a doctor that visits two weeks of the month um, and we signed up to that clinic and in January, because at the end of 2017, we started doing all the tests again um, so that we could start at the new clinic and then in January um, 2018, we... We signed up for our uh, 
third round of IVF. Um, so, sorry, I'm just a little bit lost as to That's where right. I'm at. That's so, okay. with your testing that with the new fertility specialist, did they pick anything yeah. new up? Was there anything that that they did differently? Yeah, yeah. Any different so, tests? I probably asked for based on you know information that my naturopath had given me, and I should probably say. Uh, she just happened to about to start IVF, so she'd done a lot of research on it herself. So she really fed me a lot of really good information, and I got them to retest all of my thyroid functions mm-hmm. um, because my sister has Hashimoto's, mm-hmm. and um, it can be hereditary. So, and they tested all of my thyroid functions and my thyroid antibodies were sky high so basically my body is in constant fight mode fighting Hashimoto's so essentially I had no idea that I actually have Hashimoto's and my body's just been fighting it this whole time so um, that was that was really interesting Um, and also that I do have polycystic ovaries which the first doctor didn't point out to me so there's a few there was definitely a few issues there from the first clinic that um they they never really shared any information they kept everything to themselves and i guess i never really asked anything because i didn't know to so going into this new clinic i sort of walked in with a thousand questions and um they they were happy to go through whatever tests and everything i wanted um so my husband's sperm got tested again. Obviously, um, his motility was low and his um, morphology was also low. So um, he had a few issues there as well. So it turns out, like, from going to unexplained, we sort of went into, yeah, there are issues here and how, how are we going to address them? How did, so, um, how did you feel yeah. um, sort of coming from a clinic that you've described previously mm-hmm. and going into that and then learning all of this information, how did you feel, like, going through that process? Um, I guess you can say, like, you want to be bitter about it, but I just – I was in such a different spot because I had been working on myself for the 12 months that I took off um, just – to look at everything a little bit more proactively and be more involved in the process, if that makes sense. So <laughs> I was annoyed that the other doctor um, didn't pick up on or didn't share a lot of information, wasn't really interested in anything that I had to say, um, but also relieved that I finally found a clinic that we were comfortable with and that were really on our side and were were rooting for us, I guess, you know, they, mm-hmm. they, they weren't just going through the steps and the motions, you know, they, they wanted to, to see the results and they wanted us to be happy and they, they listened to us and they cared. So it, oh no, it, it, it was, it was really, really good. But reflecting back, you know, you just wish that you went to this clinic first. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know, in hindsight, like we just, we went into it blind. So I I don't want to bag the first clinic because we probably didn't ask a lot of the questions we needed to as well. So, you know, I guess it's a bit of both, but I felt relief that we were – it felt like we were getting somewhere anyway. Yeah, so you're taking back a little bit of control of the situation 
rather yeah, than... Yeah, that's right. Know, that's right. Yeah. Beautiful. So um, you've started at this new clinic and yeah. you said that um, Rody's sperm got tested and his motility mm-hmm. and morphology wasn't um, great. Like, was it pretty mm-hmm. average or was it on the lower end of the scale? Yeah, it was low. Yeah. It was low. It was below the reference, like, their range. Okay. So um, they suggested uh, ICSI again, So, but they were giving me a new protocol. I guess they were really focusing on me because um, I, I wasn't responding to the drugs great, but there was definitely um, eggs there. But as soon as they harvest them, you know, it's just such a small quantity were suitable for insemination. So Mm -hmm. um, they changed my protocol to try and increase um, the quality and quantity of eggs that they would get. So you Um, said you were on an antagonist protocol previously. What was the new protocol, if you can Um, recall? Yeah, so the new one was I was on the Cinerol, the nose spray, which stops you from ovulating for like the month beforehand. And then I went on to the Puragon from there and then I triggered after that. So yep. um, it, it was similar, but it was just a little bit different in the way that it was sort of attacked. So mm-hmm. um, it was just the drugs sort of went for a lot longer. Um, and then so we went... Um, the, again, I didn't respond to the drugs straight away, so my cycle sort of extended, which meant I missed the window of opportunity for my egg collection to be done by the doctor in that town just south of us, two and a half hours away. So it meant that we had to tra- travel six hours to a different hospital for our egg collection mm-hmm. um, for round um yeah, around three. And when we got there, um, as they were wheeling me into theatre, they said, oh, by the way, you um, are at high risk of OHSS, so um, no matter what happens, we won't be doing a fresh transfer. <laughs> and I remember just laying in the bed there just going, are you serious? Like, this is the moment you're going to tell me this? Yeah. I was, I was pretty... Thankfully, they'd given me the um, (laughs) drugs to put me to sleep by then, so I just sort of went off quickly because I was was shocked Mm -hmm. and I was upset. And why would that be the moment that you tell me? Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm a bit bitter about that. (laughs) We're just sitting here shaking our heads because it's kind of like... Um, here's the anesthetist. Oh, okay, BT dubs. Like, if we go under, <laughs> you yeah. might get a WHSS. Bye. Like, yeah, that, that's exactly how it was. And I'm just, I, I couldn't believe it. I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, it was really, really annoying. But because we'd driven six hours to get down there, we mm. were tired and it was emotional and you just you're going through this whole process this is our fourth egg collection and then just to be whacked with that but you know on the other side of it we're like well i've really worked hard on myself and you know we've done a different protocol we're going to get the eggs you know we're going to get the quality so it doesn't matter we're going to have a selection of um embryos to choose from when we finally get to do it so it's all good you start telling yourself all of these things so when i came out of theater um, I looked at my hand and they'd actually written 12 on there. And oh, I was really excited. That's awesome. Because, 
I've, I've, well, to start with, I knew straight away how many um, eggs they collected. The last um, clinic, you don't know till 24 hours later. They don't tell you when you come out of um, theatre how many eggs you got. So I, it was just, it was, I was on a high straight away. I'm like, oh, yep, 12 eggs and I know what it is. And so, to, and then you start processing in your mind, okay, so 50%, you know, may die off and then this and then this and then this. And you sort of, I don't know, I do. I'm like, we do. We, we all do. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I'm like, oh, this, this is all good. Like, I could not believe it, you know. I, you know, first cycle four eggs, second cycle seven eggs, this one 12, you know, we've got to at least get a frozen, you know, a spare embryo this round. Um, unfortunately, only five of those eggs fertilised and then uh, after day three they all dropped off and we ended up with one blastocyst but it was of a really low quality. Um, so we got this phone call. I was actually back at work. We'd driven the six hours back home. I'd gone back to work and they gave me a phone call and the, the scientist actually just said to me, she's like, it's completely up to you whether you want to bother freezing this or not. And I'm like, oh, man, that's my one. Yeah. So because um, she, she basically, it was sort of like, it has a good chance it won't thaw. So, um IVF round three, one egg again, but I couldn't do a fresh transfer because of my risk of OHSS. They canned it, and um, so I couldn't walk away. I couldn't say don't freeze it. I couldn't give it, you know, not give it a chance. But yeah. it was like it absolutely shattered me. Um, maybe even more so than the miscarriage because I had put so much work into myself um, and being ready for this cycle and a new, a, you know, a new clinic, a new way of looking at things, just everything. Um, and I should probably sort of add, I started Instagram just at the start of this cycle and started documenting everything, which mm-hmm. was great relief release for me and so I'd done all of these positive things and to be back at square one was just it was heart-wrenching like I I just sit here and go I don't even know how I pulled myself you know up to keep going forward after Mm -hmm. that so I asked them yep freeze it you know let's let's give it a shot you know you can't walk away after everything you've done Mm -hmm. so um while we like we had to wait a cycle for me to realign so that we can do a frozen embryo transfer which i'd never done before obviously because mm-hmm. i'd never had any spare embryos um and in that process i picked myself up again i started to read uh the book it starts with an egg mm-hmm. and i started implementing everything from that book um i also had a big talk to my naturopath we um just done a whole heap of tests on just basic vitamins and stuff um to see what my body was lacking and just overhauled all my vitamins and um i went gluten free um because i was having a lot of reaction to gluten um and then progressed on to the keto diet just to align my body and i just done so much prep work and um, went into the frozen embryo transfer. Um, it, yeah, that, that sort of sh- 
shook me a little bit. Um, I went Proginova and then with the Oropro, the progesterone shots, and my lining wouldn't thicken. It took so long to reach the 8mm. I think we'd done four scans before it was finally thick enough for me to drive down and get the um, do the transfer. So because I had the egg collection six hours away, I had to drive six hours down to mm. do the transfer because mm-hmm. that's where the eggs were. So basically we had to drive down there not knowing whether this one frozen embryo was going to thaw because it was, let's face it, crappy quality. Um, and, yeah, we made it down there and we were so lucky it thawed perfectly they were really happy with the way it thawed unfortunately just because it's frozen it doesn't mean the quality increases but um you know we were pretty hopeful and uh that took us to june so that was a really long process to get into a new ivf clinic and then um do all the testing again do the egg collection and stop and then prepare for the frozen embryo transfer and then uh, June the transfer wasn't successful. So we had another failed um, another failed round. So that was our third round. <laughs> My husband and I at this stage were just like, we can't do this forever. Like we just cannot. The, the roller coasters, it's, it's too hard. And we agreed that we will do one more egg collection. We pulled all our money together. We pulled every hope, dream, everything together. Um, I started hypnotherapy just to try and get me to a place mentally where I could accept if our last round didn't work. Um just to process everything that's happened in the past and just to sort of, yeah, I don't know, deal with deal with all my losses. Um, and then I kept working with my naturopath. Um, she sort of said that I, you know, to discuss with my doctor at my next appointment, you know, I've already done everything I can to get my egg quality to the best of, to my ability, you know, following all the protocols and everything. Um, what is there that we can do for Rody? Um, we'd already got him on vitamins and all different sorts of things. Um, but is there some kind of test? Because after three days, like even even if the embryos are fertilized, like we just have massive drop offs. And every single round, we've only ended up with one blastocyst, like one chance. Um, so what? I guess what is there to do? What what next? What can we test his sperm? Is there any DNA issues? So she was really, really good in prompting me different questions that I can ask um, my doctor. So I went for my appointment to discuss what's next. Um, we sort of spoke about my poor egg quality, his sperm, and I said, can we do testing? fragmentation testing, DNA testing for his sperm, like what do you suggest? And he basically said to me, and this is really good and I really appreciate how honest he was with me, he said, look, we can do DNA testing on Rody's sperm. He said it's a lengthy process and it's a pricey process. He said 
if there is issues, um, we would suggest that you do this procedure called Pixie. He said, but we can just do the Pixie procedure without the testing. There's not going to be any issues. And I'm like looking at him, I'm like, okay, so what's this Pixie? Can you explain it to me? I've never in the, you know, however many years I've been doing IVF now heard of it. Like, what the hell? And he goes on to tell me, like, it's it's like a step up from ICSI. So ICSI, they basically, you know, they, you got the gel there and the faster sperm, they monitor it and they pick the sperm and they inject it into the egg. So this is like the next step up. Your egg has uh, acid coating around it and the sperm has to penetrate that to get into the egg. And the egg is designed in a way to reject anything that has bad DNA or fragmentation or anything like that. So that's what that acid layer does. It doesn't um, let the sperm in or doesn't let the sperm bind with it to come into the egg. So basically they've got these specially made dishes that come from the States, United States, um, that have this, that mimic that acid and they get the sperm collection, they put it in the dish and they wait for the sperm to bind with that acid. And if it binds, it means it's DNA sound and they will use that sperm to inject the eggs. So wow. I'm like, yeah, this is, like, I've never heard of it before. I've never heard and of it either. Yeah, neither have I. Yeah, oh, it's crazy. The kicker was that he rung the scientists to see if they still had any of these dishes, and they did. They had two. And they expired in November. So I had to do an IVF round. I had to do my egg collection and be ready before November when these expire because they are not getting any more ever again. Oh, whoa. So. Pressure. <laughs> Talk about the pressure. <laughs> oh, and, you know, every cycle that I've done, has never gone to plan and I never, ever um, uh, react to the drugs fast enough and they always have to increase it and extend it and so many scans and this and that and I'm always pushed out a week or two and it was such a fine line and it was, yeah, uh, yeah, it was just like, righto, let's do it. I said, let, let's let's sign up, let's do it. We want to give it out everything. This is, this is our absolute last shot. We've agreed... Um, it was coming up to Rody's 40th. It was actually his 40th in November. Um, this was our last round. This was our everything. So we signed up for round four and um, I added a few more vitamins. We, um, I just, I really tried to go into it as positive as I can because no matter what the result was, our life was going to change forever. It was either we were, it was going to be successful or, or we had to come to terms with a life without a kid between us. Um, and, you know, I, I started reflecting, you know, I was super grateful. I've been in Isaac's life since he's five years old. Um, I'm so lucky that I had that opportunity. And, I, you know, you, you start looking at, things in all different ways to try and help you prepare for whichever way it's going to go. So it was pretty emotional, but I was trying to be as positive 
as possible. And again, I used Instagram as a real release, like just documenting everything and and, and finding um, other supporting people out there, other people going through similar things. Obviously, everyone's different and their stories are different, but just knowing that the support's there. And then just people in my world banding together and supporting me, Um, people that have come from high school and sort of caught on to my story and... um, yeah, it, it was it was it was pretty amazing the last round, just the support that I had. Um, so we started, um, and uh, we went on. I went on the Puragon again, but two twenty five. He didn't want me up at three hundred because he didn't want me to get OHSS. Um, it, we went back to the antagonist protocol, so I went on to El Galutran, and um, we done the trigger. Um, I made it within the timeline to get to uh, Bundaberg, which is the two and a half hours away, so we didn't have to do the six-hour drive. Um, And then we were just within the realms of the pixie dishes being able to be used. So that was the most crucial thing, and it was, um, yeah, it was pretty amazing. So I went into egg collection, and it was, you know, it's really funny. It was the most relaxed I've ever been, and we had the best night the night before. We went out and had dinner, and we laughed and joked, and we were just so relaxed, and it was it was really, really good. I went into egg collection. They collected 11 eggs, and six of them um, they managed to inseminate. Only four of those fertilised. Um, the scientist actually gave me a call, and she's like, it's just the weirdest thing. She said, you have pitted eggs. She said she has never, ever seen anything like it before. She described it to me like it looks like someone has taken a bite out of your eggs. She said not all of them are like that, but most of them are. So of the four fertilised eggs, one of them was actually a pitted egg, which she was so surprised actually fertilised. And then um, three of them were normal-looking eggs. So, again, more information that I'd never heard. Like no one told me anything about my eggs previously and she was really good and she's just like blown away by you know the look of them so I don't know what that means um but it's just something there that I you know I can look into one day um so we from that phone call we didn't hear back from the clinic and we had to drive down um at day five for um, transfer and we didn't know if any of the four fertilised eggs had made it to blastocyst, but we know every other round four means one chance. Mm-hmm. That's just how it's always been. And um, so, oh god, <laughs> so emotional. Um, just take, just take your time. There, there's no rush. Just yeah, go um, through it. <laughs> we we drove down and. Um, Oh, God, I'll never forget the day we were sitting in the waiting room and the nurse came in. She had, like, a printout piece of paper with her and she passed it to me and it was the most beautiful hatching blastocyst I'd ever seen in my life. I just burst into into tears. My husband had no idea what was going on. He's just looking at me, looking at this blob, and he's just like, (laughs) what? And I'm like, it's beautiful. 
it was amazing. So we we had a hatching blastocyst, which I hadn't had yet that I know of because the clinic, the first two rounds, I had no idea. They didn't tell me anything about anything. Yes, you've got one to transfer. It was about the extent that I got. Um, yeah, so um, and then the nurse sort of said to me, yep, that's the one that we're we're going to transfer. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, you've got one to freeze. And I couldn't believe it. Like four, four rounds and I finally had one to transfer and one to freeze. So that was the most amazing day ever. Like it was just, oh, don't even know how to describe it until a few days later. Um, it was the 2nd of November, um, 2018, and it was my husband's 40th birthday. And um, I woke up early and he didn't know I was going to do this. <laughs> and I went and... Um, I did a at home pregnancy test, which I'm totally against doing because I didn't want to get my hopes up previously, but I just thought it was now or never. And it was positive and I had to hold myself together. And I put it in his birthday card. Oh, that's so cute. Waiting waiting for him to wake up. Just waiting, waiting, waiting. <laughs> Finally he woke up and I gave it to him and he opened it and he just looked at it and he just broke down on the kitchen floor crying and it was just like Oh my god! Yeah, it was pretty amazing. It was like to me, that's just a miracle. She got in there just in time. So, yeah. sounds guess, like your stars um, really aligned with that round. Yeah. Oh, it was just um, yeah, it, everything just aligned perfectly. So then we just went into like you think the two week wait is hard. Oh man, the nine month wait is. <laughs> even harder like the anxiety doesn't go away like every single little thing you are so protective and so scared and so worried for this little thing growing inside of you every step of the way every time like you just oh you fret so much because you went through so much to to get there um but i guess yeah that's that that's our story um river was born in july and um I'm unhappy mama. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really big congratulations to you guys. It's thank you. Sounds like I, I can't even say it. Just an amazing journey, and you've really yeah. you worked so hard to get that little girl, and yeah. she came to the right family. I think you know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yep. So, I just love that you were able to give your husband that gift on his. 40th. 40th birthday. Yeah. Like, that's just what a day know, to yeah. remember, hey? Oh, yeah. It, I, I know. I will never be able to top that now. I've set myself up. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny how um, it sounds like you remember everything so vividly, you know? And I think it's probably because so much emotion was attached to that whole process for you. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah it's just really beautiful that you're going to be able to hopefully tell her about that one day. Oh, absolutely. The joys that you you have experienced with her and things like that. It's really beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So basically, um, you know, you touched on this earlier, but 
your relationships, you know, IVF, how do you feel? So you talked about how it affected your relationship with your husband um, and that you kept it to yourself for quite a while, um, Mm. but then that you started this Instagram account. So how do you feel like IVF affected your, you know, your other relationships with with maybe your family members and your friends and, and things like that? And did you notice a difference once you became more open about it? Um, it definitely, it definitely affected a lot of friendships, um, because you're making silly excuses why you can't go to birthday parties or, or, um, baby showers or, you know, just hanging out with other mothers because, I don't know, I find myself talking, I would find myself talking about my dogs and then they'd look at me like, oh, we're talking about kids, what are you talking about your dog for? And, you know, you kind of feel... You feel weird. You feel strange. Um, I, I guess once I went public about it with Instagram and everyone sort of found out what was happening, they were more accepting and more understanding as to why I was making all of these excuses, whereas before they probably just thought I was rude. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's still, you know, it's still hard. And, you know, I, it's probably even harder now like I just I'm in like a bit of a limbo stage where I don't really know where I fit you know I'm not in the I'm not in the IVF trying world I'm sort of in this new motherhood world but I still I just I don't feel like I fit into the mother's group um that I would go to here you know they're all at the stage where they're talking about their next kid and oh you know we might try doing it upside down and to the left so that we can get a boy and you know crazy things like that and I just look at I can't relate you know yeah it's like it's tough and you know you try so hard to have this baby and then you 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 feel people are judging you if you're having a bad day or an off day so I still feel like my relationships are, are strained because and I don't know if it's just something I've brought on myself over the years. You know, I've just sort of locked myself away and so now I just feel like I'm constantly being being judged because now they know that, you know, Rivers IVF and I wanted her so bad so I shouldn't complain or I shouldn't be having a tough time or, you know, yeah, it, it, it's definitely affected so many relationships but it's also created a lot of relationships too you know i've met some pretty awesome people through the process so um we were just chatting to someone yesterday and i think you know she likened infertility and the experience of going through ivf well not likened it but compared it to experiencing something like a cancer diagnosis and saying that basically you don't expect someone to go through a cancer diagnosis and it not change their life, whereas people mm. would expect to go through infertility and it not change their life. And yeah. what you've just described is, um, like Tiffany and I are sitting here nodding, we've both experienced and we still feel like yeah. that in this sphere, you know, like yeah. my, do- my daughter's 18 months old and I still feel sometimes an, an irrational amount of fear that, you know, like what if she passes away? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I had a lady say to me yesterday, you know, do you want one of my children? And I said to my husband, I was like, can you imagine me knocking on her door and saying, I'm here for one of your kids? Like, (laughs) you know, like, why would you, why would you say, I don't want to take your child away from you because I know what what children mean to parents, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I I don't like hearing people say that because it makes it sound like children are so disposable. Like, 
oh, I can just make another one of them. Would you like one of mine? Like, yeah, like they're know. on a conveyor just, belt. It gets me. Yeah. No, so you're definitely not alone in that in that weird sphere because I think, you know, once you fall pregnant, you start to think that you're in the same race as everybody else, but you don't feel like you are because of yeah. everything that you've been through. So you're bringing a lot of baggage to that next stage. Exactly. So I feel That's like right. yeah, I feel like there needs to be like an IVF mum support group, <laughs> you know, like a Definitely. badge. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. exactly. A little badge that you can walk around with so yeah. everyone knows <laughs> I'm an IVF mum. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Absolutely. So I think you've made some really good points there. So um basically like if you don't mind us asking, why did you keep it so quiet between you and Rody? Was it just sort of something for you two to go through at the beginning of your treatment or you just weren't aware of how involved it was going to be and that you'd need a level of support? Yeah, I, I probably, you're right, I didn't realise I'd need that level of support. You kind of think it would work the first time and you can just sort of do it on the sideline and it would be fine. Um, I guess also... I come from a really big extended family and I just I really didn't want to have to deal with phone calls every second day and everyone putting their judgment in on what I should do, what I shouldn't do. And it just felt like too hard. And like I was also saying, we're, you know, we were in a downturn in our industry. I, you know, work in a pretty high pressure job and I didn't want to be the weak link. Mm-hmm. I guess at work as well. So there were just, there were quite a few factors that went into why I didn't you know didn't feel like I wanted to um, open up to the world about it. And I just thought it would happen. I just thought we would do one round and sweet, we got a baby. But <laughs> life had other plans for us. Yeah. So in amongst all of that, what would you say? You know, what advice did you receive or, you know, what sort of comments did you receive once you became open about your journey that you'd probably recommend people not say to people going through fertility treatment? Oh, my God. I got this one yesterday. It's like, oh, you never know. If you just stop trying, oh, <laughs> stop trying, relax, it will happen. If I heard that, I, and I know everyone says the same thing. So, I mean, yesterday I'm telling him about my seven-month-old daughter oh you'll never know your next one will just come naturally I knew this one person um you know she tried for 10 years and then she went on a holiday and she (laughs) fell pregnant and I'm looking at them and I just bit my tongue because I just wasn't in the mood but I'm like you you don't understand the realm of IVF you think that everybody does IVF for the exact same reasons yeah like everyone has gone in there because of reason x but there is like a multitude of different reasons, different stories, different explanations as to why people need IVF. You know, you can't tell someone, a same-sex couple, oh, yeah, well, maybe, you know, she, she doesn't know that I, you know, my husband is male. Oh, yep, you know, just try and go on a holiday and get pregnant. What? Yeah, I don't work like that. Or like, you know... Uh, husbands could have had a vasectomy. You know, mm-hmm. all of these reasons why you don't just relax and it happens and yeah. it frustrates me so much. And that just shows people don't understand IVF. And it's probably why I am not afraid to say River's an IVF child. She's our miracle. She took us seven years to conceive because I want to open the dialogue and I want people to start thinking about it and, and understanding a little bit more about it. 
and so that they're a little bit more careful when they throw their comments around and, mm-hmm. you know, because they don't understand the process of it. Trust me, I think we've all relaxed and had one too one too many drinks one night and, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. like we've all done a little bit of a dance like that and I think if yeah. it was, we were going to be able to relax any more than that, it, you know, it's just ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, so. yeah, I know, I know. Um, so just building on that, what mm. um, advice would you give friends or family you know, to help and support someone going through that they know of going through IVF or fertility treatment? It's really hard to say because everyone, I guess, processes things differently and, um, you know, what I would like might not work for the next person. Uh, I think just being there, I think, um, for the person and just saying, I'm here if you want to talk. But if you don't want to talk, that's fine. If you want me to take you out and we go do some crazy stuff to take your mind off it, that's that's also okay. Um, and for me, I didn't like people hiding things from me because they thought it might hurt me. And then I find out, you know, uh, say five months down the track that this person's pregnant, this person that I've worked with for, you know, the last five months, and, you know, I can start to tell but everyone's whispering around me about it I'd much rather you know someone come and tell me mm-hmm. you know I had one lady that I worked with who pulled me aside before she told anyone else and she was actually in tears because she felt so bad that she felt pregnant and I just had a failed round and it was beautiful you know I really appreciated that she made that effort and done that you know rather than I figure it out and everyone's whispering around me, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Like, just little things like that. It makes a difference, I feel. and that, and that But what I said, like said earlier is that everyone's different, everyone processes. You've got to know the person and understand, you know, how, how they feel and how they cope with things. Mm-hmm. So maybe just asking, like, how can I help support you through this? What would be comfortable yeah, for you? Yeah, and I think that's it. Yeah, you you just got to ask them. You you know that person best. Um, I think I think just if you had any advice for yourself at the start of mm-hmm. your journey, was there anything you could think of that you would want to go back and tell yourself? Yep, join Instagram earlier and find that support network. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that. That was really huge. Um, And ask questions. You know, not all doctors are there for you. They are, but they're not as invested in it as you are. You and your husband and your family want that baby more than anything in the world. Um, Ask the questions. So just one last question I've been thinking about (laughs) this whole time. Is your location, so you are clearly not the only person going through fertility treatment or having gone through fertility treatment in that area, what yeah. what would you tell people that maybe would be listening to this now and in a similar situation to you? What what would you either recommend that they do? Like should they just travel down to Brisbane or, you know, what, what advice could you give those people? Yeah, first thing is just don't settle for whoever your local doctor refers you to. Yeah. If you don't feel comfortable, do some research, look into other clinics, um, like I had to travel six hours to do egg collections, but it did not worry us, you know, because in the long run, we got the results, you know, we've got River now. So don't be afraid to travel. Don't be afraid of um, exploring other options. It's not necessarily the closest person is the best person, 
Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that's everything. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Bianca, for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. so much for joining us today we hope you enjoyed this episode if you like listening to the podcast and would like to share your story we will pop the link in the show notes be sure to hit subscribe so when we release new episodes it lands straight into your listen now if you could also leave us a review for the show that would be so appreciated no words are needed just stars If you're on the Apple app, scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and tap to rate. This makes a massive difference to our show's visibility and helps us to get our show out and about to others experiencing fertility treatment. IVF Tales is an independent production made by Amy and I. Music is by Valet Gilyshenko. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts.